This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And we are coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans Studios. National Mortgage Lender Quicken Loans presents Rocket Mortgage with you every step of the way to provide a seamless mortgage experience. 1140 a.m. Eastern, 8.40 p.m. Pacific. Jimmy Johnson, seven-time NASCAR Cup Series champion. He's going to join us. We'll talk to him about the state of NASCAR, Pocono coming up this weekend, everything going on with that. Jimmy Johnson should be a fun interview coming up, 11.40 a.m. Eastern, 855-2124-CBS. I was thinking about this over the weekend because there's when we preview college football, and I just asked Ari Temkin about this, and it was great. I, I said, well, basically, you, you replaced everybody you needed to replace. You did all that. New coach at Kansas, at Kansas State, Dana Holgerson took off. So basically everything that you wanted to replace, it's all gone and and there's no change there. But we get to this type of year and there's a lot of fans who they get back into the business of college football and then they start thinking about their own guy. And I get frustrated during this time because I think a lot of fan bases forget who they are. They forget who their team is. They forget some wild thoughts. And I think the 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 bare bones bottom line part of this conversation is what happens in the middle of the country. You look at Nebraska, you look at the state of Iowa. All right. Nebraska, yet Tom Osborne, one of the greatest college football coaches ever coached there a long time, a different era, a different generation. You bring back Scott Frost to try to resurrect that a guy who can recruit like a bastard, a guy who knows what Nebraska is about. This is your shot. You've tried to do everything in the past to try to be not who you are. Nebraska, for a time, it was America's college football team. Middle of the country, corn, good standards, good people, Tom Osborne, the senator, the whole thing, people that you wanted to look up to and emulate. And then for 20 years, you thought you were Hollywood. You thought you were Pay big money, you'll come in, you'll take over, we demand more, we're supposed to run the rule the roost of the Big 12, we're supposed to beat Colorado by 60, we're supposed to do, and it's not like that. The landscape has changed. That's why Scott Frost is probably the perfect marriage of what you've had. Plus, you've gone to the Big 10, which is arguably, at times, maybe, maybe not, a more competitive conference than what the Big 12 has been historically. But you bring back Scott Frost, Scott Frost is a guy who's recruited like crazy, who has recruited in different parts of the country, which is a huge thing, and now knows what Nebraska was, knows what the history is supposed to be like, the tradition is supposed to be like. They were lost. They'd have a couple of good years here and there. They've been lost for 20 years. You go next door to Iowa, and it was amazing to me that that Ari brought something up. Do we have the answer that Ari had about Lincoln Riley? Because at the end of this answer, he mentions two different names about the Dallas Cowboys job. I want you to hear about this. Go. I mean, I would say that would be best case scenario. Quite okay. frankly, you know, Cowboys fans are enamored with Sean Payton. You know, Sean Payton was here in Dallas when Bill Parcells was here, and and there's a history here. But if I had my choice of any coach I could have 
it would be Lincoln Riley, even over Sean Payton, which might be crazy, but I just I just think, you know, we don't know exactly what the ceiling is on Lincoln Riley. Um, and, and with Payton, obviously the, the, the piece to that is, well, you need Drew Brees to retire because there's no way that Payton's going to leave New Orleans unless Drew Brees retires. You know, I, what I heard was the Cowboys reached out to, to Lincoln Riley this offseason. So they, they wanted to gauge his interest. And, and had Lincoln Riley said he was interested, he'd be coaching the Dallas Cowboys right now. So <laughs> the fact that he's not gives a pretty good indication that, you know, he, he wanted to stay at OU. And, and I just don't know that that's going to change a year later. But with that being said, if Lincoln Riley is still not wanting to leave Norman and come to Dallas after this season, well, then there's other viable options of the Big 12, too, with Matt Rule and Matt Campbell, two guys that have already gotten overtures from the National Football League. That's Ari Temkin, host of Big 12 this morning on Sirius XM, also the Cowboys Radio Network. Obviously, I'm losing my mind here. Why I love the state of Iowa so much is that you look at Kirk Ferentz. Kirk Ferentz has been there 20 years. In between Kirk Ferentz and Hayden Fry, there's a mess. You try to build that thing back up. You're in the middle of nowhere. No offense to the fine folks of Iowa. You understand it. There's a lot of corn. You're not Columbus. You're not Miami, Florida. And Miami's not even as good as you. You've done a hell of a job. Every now and then, you get an 11-win season. You get a 12-win season. You get another 11-win season. You win nine games, maybe 10 here and there. A lot of nine-game seasons. You've done very, very well. What I love about the state of Iowa, Iowa knows who they are. Backbone of the country, good, fine folks. They're probably not going to win a national title, but every now and then, they can compete and be very, very good. Kirk Ferentz has done that for 20 years at Iowa. That's why when people start to cluck in during a 8-5 and five season like they had back-to-back in 2016 and 17, I believe, I start to go, no, don't, don't do this. Don't be crazy. You're forgetting who you are. Be who you are. You're a mess without Kirk Ferentz. You're going to need that guy to pass the torch to somebody else who understands how to recruit nationally, how to get three-star guys, develop them into four-star and five-star guys, develop them into good football players who turn into pretty good pros, and then be able to develop a program that is not going to have the bottom fall out. 2012 was as close as it got. They won four games. Matt Campbell does the same thing at Iowa State. Now, Matt Campbell will probably leave Iowa State someday. If he wants to stay there, though, he has a lifetime contract with those fine folks. Ag school, good, wholesome values the way it is. Nothing Hollywood, nothing fancy in the words of Leonard Skinner. You're taken care of, and you're not gonna, You're a good football coach with a good program. You're, the bottom's not going to fall out. You might not always win 10 games. You might not always win nine games. You're going to be a competitive team. People will like you. They'll like your players. They'll like your program. You're able to recruit. You have a lifetime contract. That's what I love about the state of Iowa. That's why I get so frustrated about West Virginia. That's why I get so frustrated about Auburn. You won a national championship. Your little brother. I'm sorry. You know it's true. Auburn football's big. You've had incredible football players. You're not Alabama. Like Rudy Rudiger's dad. There's nothing wrong with being a Rudiger. You can have a damn nice life. There's nothing wrong with being Auburn. You can have a damn nice life. You can have a good program. And I know Gus Malzahn last year, 8-5, and five, and you started circling the wagons. Still at 53-22 and 22 overall. Couple of ones here and there. You're not Alabama. Tennessee has been doing this since Phil Fulmer. That's why I hope Jeremy Pruitt is able to do it, because it's a good, strong fan base. But my God, you got to give yourself a chance. 
You're not in a great recruiting area. The ones that are able to be recruited, you got Kirby Smart down in Georgia who's going to be able to take him. You got Dabo at Clemson who's going to be able to take him. You got the teams in Florida that should be able to take him, but right now you're going through a bad situation. That's why every coach in Florida should have their ass firmly on the hot seat because you're oozing with talent in Florida and you can't get your stuff together. But when I look at the coaches on the hot seat, I look at a lot of situations where I think you forgot who you are. I really do. Auburn, I think Gus Malzahn, unless the bottom were to fall out somehow, I think Gus Malzahn should stay. You get guys like Chris Ash at Rutgers, I don't care. Chris Ash can go anywhere. I don't even know why we talk about Rutgers, and this will be the finest sentence I say about Rutgers. UConn and Randy Edsel, just looking at that coachingseat.com thing right off the top of my list here. You don't even know what conference you're really in. He's in his third year back. The thing's a disaster. Let him have a little bit of time to stick around. The Chad Morris situation at Arkansas is the most hilarious situation I possibly could find. Arkansas fans, I I know you're in the SEC. You think very highly of things. Brett Bielema left it not very great, and Brett Bielema owned up to that. But already you seem to want Chad Morris fired, and I think a lot of you do, and I think a lot of you think that you're supposed to be historically Alabama, you're Arkansas. I know you've had a couple of good years, you play home games in two separate locations. You're right there stuck in the middle of things. You got the Ozarks you can try to try to promote and say that you can you can recruit with. But you're kind of in the middle stuck between the state of Texas, what Oklahoma has been able to do, and making that a metropolitan type of place to recruit, even though it's supposed to be in the middle of nowhere, and everywhere else in the SEC. It's the second year for Chad Morris, and yeah, because you finished 2-10, now all of a sudden people say that he should be fired, just like what you were doing with Lou Holtz back in the day. You forget who you are. When I bring up Iowa, Iowa doesn't forget who they are. And probably the time is passing for Kirk Ferentz. It's been, what, 20 years? But you've had a very good run and a couple of really great outings. Like Chad Helton at USC, uh, that's the opposite direction. There, It can go the opposite direction. Clay Helton at USC, I, I kind of want him gone. You're in L.A., you're next door to UCLA. Now, Chip Kelly used to be Hollywood. He used to be a big-ticket item. He, his star has fallen. But if he's able to put together what his, he was able to recruit at Oregon, he might be able to put something together that's very, very good. You have a little bit of time to get going, and you have Clay Helton who will probably get fired from this job and be able to grind it out on his leather ass on a very good mid-major football program, and he'll probably be a good coach. He probably is a good coach, and he probably will be a good coach for a different type of program. USC's Hollywood. USC's red carpets. USC is supermodels dating during college. USC is movie premieres. USC is not grinded out on the phones, in the cars, sleeping at a Motel 6, recruiting guys in the middle of nowhere, trying to get JUCO guys. USC is the very best of the very best, modern day, all over the place. They come to USC. You're a rock star program. Act like it. That's why this foolishness with Clay Helton, I can't believe it's still going on. If you have your dander, if you have any stones, and you have any memory of who you're supposed to be, and yeah, I know, Reggie Bush and Mike Garrett, it all got away from you. You've spent enough time down. It's time to be who you're supposed to be again. If you had any stones, you'd be out there at Fox every single Saturday. Hopefully you already are. You'd be out there in the Fox set every single Saturday. Urban, I know what the doctor said. We can find other doctors. We can take care of you. 
I know that you were under a tremendous amount of pressure. I know that it seems that you were trying to do a favor to your, to, to your buddy's grandson. I know that that took a bad look and they blamed you for everything. We can change that, Urban. We can change that whole thing. While you guys are out there and, and Clay Helton is trying to, to whoop it up and, and trying to win one for the Gipper and probably going out to a seven-win season, maybe an eight-win season, you could be going after Urban Meyer, who will be cutthroat, who will get five-star recruits and play them in the biggest stadium in the country, one of the biggest stadiums in the country, and one of the biggest markets in the country, and by television rights, the biggest college football market in the country, who will play them very quickly, get guys to the NFL, turn that into the factory that what he had in Florida and Ohio State. Yes, there will be controversy, but you will be who you're supposed to be again. And you're in L.A. You live in controversy. That's supposed to be normal in Los Angeles, not in Gainesville, Florida, not in Columbus, Ohio. That's normal in Los Angeles. It's amazing. You have all these programs who try to be like USC supposed to be, and you have USC who goes the other way. So when I look at Malzahn and Auburn, hey, relax. Relax. You're a good football program. You've done well. I know you hate Alabama and you hate Nick Saban, Nick Saban is one of the greatest coaches ever. Don't don't get worked into a shoot over Nick Saban and fire coaches who are pretty good. Don't do that to yourself. With Clay Helton and USC, why are you grinding this thing out? Get your boosters, get your billionaires, get your private jets. Be USC. Go get stars. Go get the star coach. Go put the bright lights on yourself again. Stop messing around with this Clay Helton stuff. Go get yourself Urban Meyer. 855-2124-CBS, 855-2124-227. Up next, it's not just fair, it's more interesting. It's Ken Carmen on CBS Sports Radio. You're listening to Ken Carmen on CBS Sports Radio. Coming up in less than 20 minutes, all right, uh, excuse me, we already had Ari Temkin. Jimmy Johnson going to join us. My God. I was so hot on college football, I got it all flustered. Jimmy Johnson, the seven-time NASCAR Cup Series champion. He's going to join us. It's going to be a hell of a time. Uh, just going over that list. I, there's a couple ones. I don't know why I even put him in here. Hickey. What yes. did you th- What did you say about the Rutgers? Because I put Chris Ash on there and I go, you know, you only get so much time. I only got one show a week on CBS Sports Radio. What am I doing talking about Rutgers football about Chris Ash? What are we doing here? Yeah, I'm not really sure if he can technically be on the hot seat. Uh, because I mean, they've been just so bad. Like, it's not a hot seat if anything. nobody cares. Right. Well, that's true, too. But you made a good point off the air. Just the only, Their only option, if there was a hot seat, was to bring back Greg Schiano, right? I mean, y'all, he, he <laughs> is their Nick Saban. Well, I, we're, being, we're being choosy because this, this goes back to Sandusky. We're being choosy about who we want to exonerate out of this. You know we are. And when it comes to Schiano, Schiano did do a good job at Rutgers. Other guys have gotten jobs too, so I I, I can't really. I'm th- that sounds awful. I'm not trying to do any of that other hot takery. What I'm pointing out is that if you're going to give a guy a chance, wouldn't you give a guy a chance there? You have Rutgers who really should be playing in the American Conference. They're playing in the Big Ten. They have no business playing in the Big Ten, all because Jim Delaney had to get the New York market in there. And then you have Rutgers who goes out there and gets her ass ass kicked basically every single week. By the top of the Big Ten and by the middle of the Big Ten and by the end of the season, they're cooked. But we're going to put it on Chris Ash. And if you put Chris Ash and you put him out of his misery, then you'll just put somebody else out there. In a couple of years, you have to put him out of his misery. It was a horrible program for a long time before Greg Schiano. There's no tradition of winning out there. 
And that's it, even though I don't want to spend a bunch of time, Hickey's right. These are teams who forget who they are. These are these are programs, their fan bases, themselves, the ADs, every you forget who you are. You get the right coach who knows how to recruit and also knows how to protect what sanctity you believe in when it comes to your own school, you can do a lot of good. Gary Patterson at TCU has done a remarkable job. And there's been a couple of lean years here and there. They finished under 500 last year, if I'm not mistaken. You don't freak out and fire Gary Patterson. You give him a change of the shirt, probably because he sweated through that one too much. You give him a new team, and you move on. You go to the next year because a guy like Gary Patterson has basically got you a brand new football stadium built and all those facilities and all those amenities and has had you in big time bowl games and every now and then has had you in really big time bowl games and has had big time players being talked about there. Gary Patterson's done a remarkable job. Mike Gundy, 15 years at Oklahoma State, has done a very nice job at Oklahoma State. I know you got Boone Pickens. I know you got big money. So there are going to be Cowboy fans who disagree. But you're not. Ohio State, you're not Georgia at this moment. You're not Alabama, which Alabama spent some years on the reservation. We know about that. Had a little bit more time at the Gentleman's Club than they did in the film room. Okay? That's all we can say. Even they had their problems. But until you have those type of guys, until you have those type of guys that that really put you over, your fan base can get you in a lot of trouble. And when I look in the state of Alabama, Gus Malzahn, fire him! What a national championship. You're not horrible. You rallied the troops. You finished eight and five last year. Your little brother. You're you're going against Saban. Wait until Saban either retires or goes back to the NFL or does something else. It, it's hard. It's Saban. He's the king of the generation. But then it can always go the other way. Clay Helton, stop with this silliness at USC. I know, you're, you're so embarrassed by everything that's going on, and it was embarrassing, but you're still USC. You're Hollywood. You're not grinded out, clock in, clock out, do on earnest work. You're USC. You're Pete Carroll, your excitement, your Will Ferrell at practice, that's who you are. Get Urban Meyer, stop messing around. 855-2124-CBS. Joe in Oregon, he's next up on CBS Sports Radio. Go ahead, Joe. Hi, I've got to say I dig the topic you're talking about with remembering who you are. I'm an Oregon State graduate, Oregon State football fan. Uh, I do hate the little brother talk, but we're not Nike University down there in Eugene. You know, if we're lucky, we're going to be 8-5, and 8-9-4, and, nine and four, whatever. That's if we're lucky. I know that we're a small-town program. We're not big. We've had big names come through the program before, like Steven Jackson, Brandon Cooks. But, you know, if we, we're 7-5, and five, hey, we're filling the stands, and that's great. And I think that some people in Beaver Nation need to remember that. And some people think that Jonathan Smith's going to have a great record this year. If the Beavers win four games, I'll be stoked because they're turning it around and trying yep. to turn it around. Joe, you're going to think I'm an idiot. Stay with me. Stay with me. You're going to think I'm an idiot, or you're going to think I'm lying to you. I've always kind of liked Oregon State because of the colors, and I always thought your your stadium was really cool. Okay? Hey. But no, you're right. I don't go think ahead. That. Go ahead. Go, well, oh, the I don't thing, think that at all. 
Oh really? See, I like all those well, things. I, I like I like both the I like the colors. I like the beaver. I like the whole thing. That sounded weird, but I like the beaver mascot and I like the stadium. I've always kind of dug the whole thing. I've never been a big Oregon fan, but I've always known that you've been little brother. What I what I want Oregon State to do? If I'm going case by case, you got a really good baseball program, don't you? Oh, absolutely. That's accentuate what, what you're good at. See, exactly. So many places, and this gets into this. Joe, you set me up perfect, and I thank you very much for the call. You set me up for what I want to talk about with the transfer portal. Chris Peterson said he was a little bit upset about the transfer portal, was asked about it during the media days uh, in the Pac-12. Washington head coach Chris Peterson says he's old school, believes the transfer portal is harmful to athletes because it, quote-unquote, allows them to tap out when they face a hard situation and just go somewhere else when they think things will be better, when oftentimes that's not the case. I think that's silly. I love the transfer portal. It puts more pressure on guys like Chris Peterson. And it also hopefully will give a reality check to teams, and I hate to say this because I like you, Oregon State, but it hopefully it gives you a reality check to what Oregon State is and what a lot of bottom-tier or mid-tier Power 5 conference schools are. If you're a basketball school, be a basketball school. If you're a baseball school, be a baseball school. Oregon State baseball is really, really good. Accentuate your baseball. Push baseball. We're the baseball school. We like our baseball. We like our we like our defense. We like our pitching. We like our two-out hits. If you're a basketball school like KU, they do what they're supposed to do. Push basketball. You have these programs, and especially mid-mate, like the MAC does this, and I get so frustrated about it. If you're a basketball school or you're more predisposed to competing in basketball, you have more millionaire instead of billionaire alums or th- or or hundred thousandaires who's able to give money. You know what? You could put a good basketball program out there, and because you have a good alumni base, they'll probably be big fans of the basketball program. But no, just keep trying to find ways to pour more and more and more and more and more money into a football program that might get you into a Boca Raton Bowl. I know it's more money overall when you go. I, I I can't argue those finances, but I just laugh. All these programs, they try to be the next Boise State. Boise State's a special situation. It's not built everywhere. For every Boise State that you heard about, there's about 30 or 40 or 50 programs that tried to do what Boise State did and failed miserably. Miserably. ADs got fired. School presidents got kicked out. It was awful. Accentuate the positive. Push the positive. It's cheaper to be a basketball school. If you can't compete with the big boys in football, go be a basketball school. You can have fun winning basketball games. You can go to the NCAA tournament. Just getting to the NCAA tournament is a blast. You get to go on a trip. All your alum get to go. You get to go to this different place. It's a big moment. It's maybe the biggest weekend in sports overall. You get to have fun, and if you win a game, we talk about it forever. Go be a basketball school. Go have fun. Instead of going getting your ass handed to you in football and keep pouring it into football and keep losing to football and keep firing guys who are only there for a paycheck. But no, don't listen to me. Keep pouring it into football. Keep being who you're not. Keep trying to be who you're not. Instead of remembering who you are. 855-2124-CBS. Big stuff coming up. High noon. Got a lot of great stuff in that hour. Ross Tucker going to join us 1240 p.m. Eastern. Also, I think it's okay at high noon, I got to tell you, I think it's okay to say you see both sides and it was probably best they separate. I know we want to choose sides because that's supposed to be the good thing to do. When it comes to the Giants and Odell, 
I really see what Eli's saying, and I think I see what OBJ's saying. But up next, seven-time NASCAR Cup Series champion Jimmy Johnson going to join us. What does he think of when people call him a legend? He answers that next. You're listening to Ken Carmen on CBS Sports Radio. 855-212-4227. That's CBS Sports Radio's toll-free line. It's brought to you by Geico. Hey, there's great news. You can save 15% or more when you switch to Geico in just 15 minutes. Go to geico.com and save 15% or more on car insurance. Also, tonight, 9 Eastern, 6 Pacific. You ain't doing anything about some hoops. Join CBS Sports Network for this summer's hottest hoops league. Don't miss basketball's biggest legends, all-stars, champions, with the big three on the 24-hour home of CBS Sports. Might see a fight between the old heads. It's a fantastic league to watch. So get on over there. 9 Eastern, 6 Pacific. Sit down, cold beverage, frosty beverage. Maybe after some din-din. Maybe after your local lotto show that's always on a Saturday. And watch some big three basketball. 855-2124-CBS, 855-2124-227. p.m. Eastern, 920 Pacific. We do five burning questions. I think there's going to be one about NFL face paint. Right now joining us on the show, uh, I, if you know me, you know I'm a big NASCAR fan. And I'm, I'm looking up right now, and I'm seeing final practice at Pocono right now. I'm excited. It's summer still, even though we're talking football, and we will again at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific. I had a chance to get this guy on the show, and I am busting right now getting this guy on the show. I'm loving it. Joining us right now on CBS Sports Radio, seven-time NASCAR Cup Series champion, the great Jimmy Johnson. Jimmy, thanks for joining us, and i got to ask you, what comes to your mind when people call you a legend? makes me feel old. (laughs) (laughs) I've been doing this a while. Um, but I feel like legend is for guys that have retired and, and uh, you know, come around the sport later. So to, to hear that uh, makes me feel old. Well, you've won 83 races. I mean, you're, you're pretty incredible. You're not even old. What are you, 42, 43? 43? No, it's, it is a, um, you know, a huge you know, honor in a way to have somebody say that to me. It um, means a ton. Super cool. But that's, you know, the first little response is like, Dang, that's that's what I guess I put legend into the category. I've had it in my mind, yeah. um, and I just kind of react and think of all the old guys that I consider legends. Well, has that made it change a little bit for you? Maybe the sport of NASCAR, because you know there was a time a guy's rookie year might be thirty-five years old, and now you're you're racing against guys who aren't even legal drinking age yet. How, how much has that changed? Maybe your perspective of NASCAR? No, it has. I mean, I you know I have three young teammates that, uh, you know, various ages. I think the oldest is Alex around 26 or 27. William's just now 21. So it, uh, you know, I, I got my start at 25. I turned 26 that year. So in looking back on how my career unfolded, I'm thankful that I was able to have some more years. And I, I really admire these young guys that come in in their, you know, teens, late teens, and have success and can deal with it all. I think the on-track part is probably the easiest. You just get in the car and go. That's what you've been doing your whole life. But managing all the other aspects of it um, is really where the challenges come into play. Jimmy Johnson joining us on the show this morning. Pocono is a place where you know some fans have some mixed feelings about, do you like the change next year that they're going to do the doubleheader a Saturday-Sunday race at Pocono? I do. Big picture for our sport. I think that's a great move. Um, we have plenty of evidence that shows the season is too long. The season, um, you know, the 
most important part of our season is right in the, the heart and soul of the NFL season, and that, that impacts our sport in many, many ways. So for the good of our sport, the shorter we can make the season and, and get out of that NFL window, uh, the more success we're going to have and the stronger our sport's going to be. Yeah, it's amazing. Steve Phelps was on with Dale Earnhardt Jr. a couple months ago, and he was very open, very honest. I was surprised where he said, you know, we spent a lot of time trying to grow the sport, but we were chasing fans that we really shouldn't have been chasing. Now it's getting ready for 2020. I know the the agreements with Trax, I think, are five-year agreements each, so there's a lot of different agreements going on. Would you like to see maybe a return to a lot more short tracks or, or maybe even some more road courses other than Sonoma and Watkins Glen? Yeah, I do. And I mean, there's so many pieces to the puzzle. You know, we have these tracks and their loyal fan bases that have supported NASCAR for all these years and helped us grow to the 38 race schedule that and 10 month long schedule that we have. You know, when I came in um, into the Bush series, I think we were, you know, seven or eight races less. And that was probably the right size if you look at growth and what was all going on. Um, but these track owners and operators and fan bases have, have helped grow the sport. So I think that's why it's taken so long to start making this change. And, of course, there's going to be some resistance. Uh, but over the next handful of years, I see some really good change coming for the good of our sport. Um, hopefully it will open up the idea of more road courses, more short tracks. Um, we all you know, have seen the evidence that, that shows – uh, those tracks are just more entertaining and put on a better show. So, you know, it's, I commend Phelps. I think he's doing a fantastic job leading the sport. Um, the various kind of areas or uh, segments of the sport, being drivers and owners and sponsors and track operators, everybody is in a grant for the most part and really pulling in the same direction, I guess is probably the best way to put it. More than I've ever seen in my, you know, 18 years of competing at the top level. So, um, I, I think our sport has a really bright future and is kind of showing that now with viewership and attendance. Jimmy Johnson with us on the show. In football, baseball, basketball, we talk a lot about analytics. It takes some of the fun out. I, I, I almost put aerodynamics with analytics, all the aero packages that are there. When it comes to the next generation of car, some fans talk about they want to go back to the 70s. Well, it's never going to go back to that. But should there be maybe less of a focus on aero, or is that just impossible now because of what we know with science? Yeah, it's impossible. It was there all along. There are some various combinations that certainly make it worse and others that make it better. So that's kind of the never-ending search, and it's not just NASCAR, but all forms of motorsports um, are dealing with, with aero issues. So, I mean, if you've read anything on Formula One and what their new generation car is going to look like, they're, they're going back to more underbody downforce than overbody downforce. And that's the discussion with the new car for NASCAR and trying to create the grip from underneath the car instead of up and over the car. Um, you just can't get away from the air that comes up and over the car, punches a big hole in the air, and the guy trailing doesn't have as much grip. It's just simple physics. So, um, you know, i I think we've just exposed um, the aerodynamic issues as competition increased and as there became more and more competitive teams, as sanctioning bodies put more rules in place to bring parity within the sport. Now all the cars are running closer together, and aero is more of a problem. You've done the Rolex sports car, right? Yes. What are the other types of racing you've done? I started on two wheels, racing motocross, raced uh, stadium off-road vehicles, raced desert off-road vehicles, then to the ASA series. Also, there was another 
uh, step of off-road racing in the Midwest. Um, so plenty of off-road, been really stock cars since then. I mean, I've been ASA, Xfinity, then Cup. I've run a few late model races, um, the sports car stuff, and I guess that's the extent of it as of now. Well, because I see so many drivers. I had a chance to drive a Formula One car, which was really cool. And that was just a test day I did in November. I got to drive the McLaren uh, Formula One car that Alonzo drove. So that was a neat day. What was that like? I, uh, what was that feeling? The sensation of speed was just something like I've never, ever experienced. And it gave me a, uh, an experience in the car that, I don't know, makes me want to chase open wheel a little bit someday and, and experience that some more. Uh, those vehicles are so light and create so much downforce um, that you, you feel like Superman. You feel like you can do anything in them. <laughs> Jimmy Johnson joining us on the show. In your eyes, who are the greatest drivers in NASCAR history? And it is such a tough, uh, tough thing. I can only speak to the guys that I, you know, kind of raced against. Um, you know, clearly, there are the greats that we all know of and grew up watching that that have to be in that conversation. Um, but for me, growing up, you know, Jeff Gordon was my guy. Um, his versatility and ability to win on all types of tracks. I think Tony Stewart is in that conversation when you look at his open-wheel career and his NASCAR career um, and all the stuff that he's raced and uh, his ability to win and all of that. Um, I think Kyle Busch is quickly emerging is is one of those guys. Um, Over time, you know, we'll be able to to see where his career ends up and how long he's able to keep operating at this high level. Um, I think he's got to be in that conversation down the road. But it's, it's cool to, you know, have know that my name is in that conversation. I watch it take place in other forms of sports. Um, there's never a clear winner. You know, there's always debate and conversation, and uh, it's it's neat to be in that conversation in our sport. I'm glad you said it because I was going to shoehorn you in and make sure you were in there because you know you won seven championships, five in a row. How many years in the five in a row did they switch the playoff format on you and you still ended up winning? Yeah, I can't remember now. Was um, it like I, four I, or five I years? I know there was some generation, car generations that, that changed on me in there. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, th- things were constantly moving and evolving, not, not only just what performance and racing does year to year, but NASCAR was changing the types of vehicles and then the way we win the championship. So it was, it was a tricky window of time. What's it been like to race for Rick Hendrick over the years? It's like racing for family. I mean, once you're an employee at Hendrick Motorsports, there's this family feeling that comes along with that, and, and I feel like I'm, I'm driving the you know, family car. Jimmy Johnson joining us on the show. Have you ever had a disagreement with Jeff Gordon on the track? Oh, yes. Really? Any good relationship is tested. Absolutely. We had plenty of disagreements um, on track, especially when we were competing for all those race wins and championships together. Um, but that's... You know, in my opinion, any relationship of meaning that I've had, there's always been a little conflict in there just to, just to, you know, kind of forge things together. You said he was one of your favorites growing up. How 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 different was that? Was it surreal for a moment there, where you race alongside him? He, he he's one of your guys who I, I I would consider maybe your mentor. Maybe I'm a little wrong there, but I would consider your mentor. But obviously, you guys are both competitors on the track. He's one of the best ever. You're one of the best ever. And then there's a disagreement that you guys have to settle out there, either on the track or in the hauler. Yeah, I mean, there was, was an evolution of things for sure. I mean, I go back to when I first introduced myself to him and was blown away. He knew who I was. 
Um, and then in that conversation, found out that he and Hendrick Motorsports were looking at starting a fourth team and putting me in the car. I was like, you kidding me? <laughs> what? <laughs> so that, you know, the surreal portion of that started really from the first day I, I kind of met him and, and hung out with him. Um, and then working through that and driving for him and racing against him, that he definitely was a mentor for me, <clears throat> you know, my later years of racing. Um, I had some guys before that when I was young, kind of climbing the ladder, but, uh, you know, he really helped me at the cup level. And then, you know, the, the competition that developed between us racing for wins then championships, you know, it's been a, been a wild ride. And I, again, I think all of those, you know, little details are what kind of forge a relationship and make you res- truly respect one another. And, um, as we come through it all and Jeff's retired and now heavily involved at Hendrick Motorsports, um, you know, we have a, an amazing relationship together and kind of working to you know, turn Hendrick back into the powerhouse that it once was. Jimmy, I, I wish I had more time. I know I don't. I want to thank you very much for the time you gave me. Congratulations on every success. Good luck throughout the rest of the year and good luck at Pocono this weekend. Great. Thank you. The great Jimmy Johnson joining us on the hotline. Did I sound like a fanboy there, Hickey? No. Was I fanboying it up? I lo- Listen, I love NASCAR. I, there's there's certain, we all have our one, and I love NASCAR. Next one we get on, I think I'll ask more questions about the week coming up, though. Because, I, like, I, I thought, and I, unpaid testimonial, Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s pre- uh, his podcast, when he had Steve Phelps on, there's a lot of good stuff there. I hope that they follow through with it. I hope in 2020 NASCAR does a lot when it comes to short tracks. I'm not the biggest short track guy, but it, it beats the hell out of the intermediates. And I hope that they have a couple more road courses. And I hope they can shorten the calendar. I think that every NASCAR, if you're going to f- race in the fall, every NASCAR race needs to start at noon. You need to start, if you're going to race on Sundays and you're going to race during the NFL season, you better start at noon. Because 1 o'clock, you're watching the Falcons, you're watching the Chargers, you're watching the Cowboys, you're not watching NASCAR. It's just the way it goes. But it was great to hear from Jimmy Johnson there, who is a legend in what he does. 855-2124-CBS, 855-2124-227. Coming up high noon, 9 Pacific. Is it okay to say that you see both sides and it was probably best they separate? Or is that take just too lukewarm? It's Ken Carmen on CBS Sports Radio. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever or... I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 